desire, Lord, that you would come right now, fill our homes, fill our lives with your presence. And we thank you for this Lord's Day. We thank you for this chance to, to worship you together. We're grateful, God, that you're not bound by time or space. And, and though we're not in the same room with one another, we're in the same spirit. So be glorified here today, would you, in all that we say and do. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Oh, welcome to Olivet Community Church. We're so blessed and honored to have you with us here. As many of you know, we took a step back from our in-person worship just to protect and make sure that everyone was safe. But we're so grateful that we can still worship God together. We're glad that you are here to worship God with us. Just a quick couple of announcements if I could. If you would open up your phones and and. Text your name to area code 812-457-9509. It would be so helpful to us, especially in this season of of pestilence in the midst of this COVID crisis. Um, Being able to stay in touch is so critical. And many things are going on in the life of members of our congregations. I'm so grateful for the way that you have responded to those needs, that you have found creative ways to love one another in the midst of this. But if you would do us a favor and just let us know how you are doing, how we can serve you. Tell us what God is doing in your life as you text your name to us, and we will be so grateful for that. Just a reminder, too, that during this crisis, we're still meeting in many different ways uh, during the course of the week. I just really encourage you to stay in touch with other believers. We need each other now more than ever. We need to be caring for one another. We need to be encouraging one another. And honestly, uh, as you'll see today, we need to be challenging one another. Let's let's not just mark time during this crisis. Let's, Let's go deep deep with God and experience more and more of his presence together. So I just invite you to, to, um, to stop for a moment this Lord's Day, to press pause and, and reflect on what God is doing in your life. Experience his presence with you, even this Lord's Day. And we're going to believe that as you do that, God is going to honor you. He's going to bless you. And he's going to take you to new heights uh, with him in relationship. Let's, let's continue in worship as we think about this God who calls to us in stillness. Can we do that?
from God when we're still we sought the feverish pace of life to to recognize his presence to recognize his plan to recognize that he's still moving in the midst of our lives right now God meets us in that stillness and invites us even to deeper relationship with him I don't know about you but um, as we talked last week Work is a gift from God, is it not? And 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 whenever you find um, a precious gift, you wanna you wanna delve more and more into it. And as we noticed last week, even something as precious as the gift of work can become uh, a slave driver that captures us and keeps us from experiencing God's presence. We become wounded. We become broken. We become ever needing more and more of God. That's why I love that that second verse. I am the Lord that heals you, right? God's purpose in rest. God's purpose in being still. God's purpose in Sabbath is that we might find that physical healing. That we might find that soul healing that brings us life. So my question for you right here is, what will be your response? Can you trust God even in the midst of this? Let's sing that verse together, shall we? Testament scripture today is taken from Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 31 through 2, verse 3. 
And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The very word of God. Be still, there is a healer. His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unfailing And His arms are fortress for the weak Let faith
And from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, we hear these words. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is the very word of God. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's what the author of the book of Hebrews challenged us. Thanks, Beth, for reading that. I appreciate it so much, um, the way you bring life and vitality to, to the word of God. But what is it, as we gather today for worship, what is it that you desire today? I have to confess that a lot of my desires are uh, temporal. At one moment, I, um, I need this, and then that need is satisfied, and the next moment, I need that. Um, last week, I thought of all those who were struggling, several with COVID um, and others with surgeries and very special needs. Those were very real and present. But what is it? that you really desire deep down, beyond, beyond the circumstances in which you find yourself. I wonder if many of those things were not encapsulated in this passage from, from Hebrews. Many of us desire rest. And so to hear the author of the book of Hebrews invite us into not just a, a temporary rest, not just a, a night's sleep or, or even a, a vacation where we can renew physically, emotionally, and spiritually, but, but to invite us into that, that deep Sabbath rest, that was really inviting, right? That was really inviting. Desire is just an incredible motivator, isn't it? I think it's a God-given thing. In fact, in scripture, we find that we're told to lust or extremely desire God, right? Or to lust after God. It's just the world and our own flesh and the evil one that takes something that God created, that God put in our lives and corrupts it. But let me ask you this, what would satisfy your deepest desires? Maybe, maybe the question is even slightly different. What what would it take for you to feel satisfied, right? When I hunger, 
It takes food to make me feel satisfied. But, but then just an hour or two later, and sometimes it seemed like even more intensely because I did satisfy that desire, those desires return again. Thomas Aquinas, a great theologian, uh, came up with this answer to that question, what is it that you desire? He said, everything, everything. We would have to experience everything and everyone, and, and beyond that, be experienced by everything and everyone, ultimately, to be satisfied, wouldn't we? A desire is infinite, but we are not. And so the result is, is the human condition. The result is, is specifically this sense of restlessness. Right? Have you experienced that? The sense that, that everything that is is not enough. There must be more. I think that must be what Solomon, prior to Jesus, probably the most wise person to walk the earth. In, in Ecclesiastes, he, he writes about that desire. He tried everything, how does he put it, everything under the sun, right? And none of it, and none of it would satisfy. More modern poet put it this way, I can't get no satisfaction, right? So, so what is it that, that will help us bridge our infinite desires with our finite human being? We live with chronically unsatisfied desires. What do we do with these unsatisfied desires? What do we do with this restlessness? I want to suggest to you today that that our only hope is to put desire back in its place, to place our desire on the only place it can be satisfied, on God. To place our desires on God. Augustine put it this way, you have made us for yourself, God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Beloved, we were created by God for God, made to need God and made to run on God, right? We can only be satisfied by the one who is infinite, by the one who is eternal, by the only one who's able to satisfy all of our needs. With Augustine, we say our only home, God, is in you. And, and when we fall away from God, when we walk away from God, guess what? That infinite desire remains, but it focuses upon things that will certainly, as Dallas Willard said, certainly lead to our destruction. I think, I think the world uh, recognizes our infinite desire. I, I'm going to take it a step further. I think that the world recognizes and even monetizes, finds a way to make a profit off of that deep created hunger that God placed in you. Think about it. You experience, many people have suggested, over 4,000 advertising messages a day. And, and, and what do they 
try and do to you. They try and salt that thirst. They try and make you hungry for that which you don't have. So you'll go out and buy it. I have to confess, it's a struggle of mine. I see a book come out. I, I want to immediately buy it. I'm, I'm a victim to those vulnerabilities. But but what is that happen? What happens in the in, in the end? We we see these pictures of other people's lives. Social media is the worst at this. We all put our best foot forward. We put our family pictures on there. And and somewhere out there in cyberspace is someone who says, Oh, I wish I had that. Right? And the ultimate end of social media is to remind us of what we don't have. There will always be someone who has more, more family, a better job, more money, more leisure time than you. And advertising causes us to envy. It causes us to, to lust for that which we don't have. So what do we do? Well, we've been practicing it already in this worship service. God calls out to us across the millennia, be still, cease your striving, and know that I am God. I think what David was, was tapping into was this invitation of God to stop striving after that which can never satisfy, and to instead experience the presence of God. That's where I want to start today. I want to suggest to you that when we prioritize what we saw in Genesis, when we prioritize Sabbath rest, we acknowledge that we are not just who, what we do. We are not just what we do, but who we are as the children of God. We acknowledge who we are. So, so we need to go a little deeper. Now, I know that, that probably much of your life you have in the back recesses of your mind kind of ping-ponged around this idea of Sabbath. And, and probably most of us have kind of reconciled ourselves as followers of Jesus. We have reconciled ourselves to say we live in, under grace. This is, this is something that's great if we can do it, but, but it's not a commandment, right? Oh, Really? I mean, think about the other nine commandments in Exodus 20 or, or the recapitulation in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Um, which of them were not, uh, uh, were not meant for us today? The one to have no other gods? No, that one. No, we better keep that one. The one not to take his name in? No, we better keep that one too, right? The one to not murder? Oh, I've wanted. No, we better keep that one, shouldn't we? Yeah. In fact, in the commandment, it says, for all time, for all time, for the people of God. And, and then as we saw again in Hebrews chapter four, the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, strive, isn't that ironic? Strive to enter that Sabbath rest because it's not just a day of the week. It, it, is a, it is an invitation into the experience of the presence of God. So let's, let's parse this out. Let's, let's open our hearts and minds for a few moments here to say, what is this that you are commanding us, God? What is this Sabbath? 
Well, as we already mentioned, it, it is the Sabbath is a part of God's created design for the earth. God worked six days and then he rested on the seventh. We explored last week. Is that because God was tired? No, it's because God had created a world and was modeling for us how to flourish in that world. Meaningful labor, great gift of God. But, but labor tempered by one day a week, stopping and resting. So it's part of God's created design. But as we've seen also, it's, it's a commandment of God. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment of God in both Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. But we learn also in, in Exodus 31, when God was was celebrating this, this opportunity now to be again in the midst of his people, that, that Sabbath is a sign of God's covenant grace and a distinguishing mark on God's covenant people. Wow, wow, there is, there is a, a sign, a mark on God, God's covenant people that transcends the Old and the New Testament that binds them together, right? When, when people see you taking Sabbath, when you have those awkward moments and they want you to do something and, and, and you have to say, you know what, today is my Sabbath and I, I, I need to honor God in this, but I'll look forward to doing that with you another time, right? When you do that, it sets you apart, right? It identifies you as someone for whom the presence and the power and the commandments of God are important. Wow. It is a part of God's created design. It's a commandment of God. It's a sign of God's covenant people. But, but as we saw in Hebrews, it's also a foretaste of eternity, a foretaste of the rest of God. I, I say that double entendre intentionally. It's a foretaste of the rest of God that he has set apart for us. But it's also a vision of the rest of God, the part that we cannot presently enjoy because of our brokenness, because of the fall. We can't experience the totality of God, but there is coming a day, beloved, when we will be able to do that. And, and God invites us to press into that day. He invites us to live into that day by honoring the Sabbath now. But what is Sabbath? I keep asking that question and maybe never fully answering it, right? The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew Shabbat, and the word literally means, guess what? To stop, to stop, right? Think about it for a second. I was, I was down on advertising a little while ago, but, but think about some of the advertising that's most attractive to you now as a follower of Jesus, right? You might be flipping through a magazine and see a picture of a, of a, a man in, in the early morning sitting on the deck, drinking a cup of coffee and looking off of his deck to a beautiful forest, a, a part of God's creation, right? And you say, I want some of that, right? I want some of that. Think about, think about a, a, a woman who, who is um, picturing and advertising a, um, uh, a spa, a place where, 
where all the cares and worries are, are gently massaged away and every detail of her body, her soul, and her spirit is put to rest, right? What's happening? Advertising is monetizing this idea that you hunger for rest. No, you need rest. No, you, you, you were created for rest. To take a day now. To stop now. To slow down. To breathe, right? And, and to rest in God's presence. Were those not motivations enough? We, we just recognize that Jesus honored the Sabbath. Oh, and your, your mind might have went to several times when the Pharisees confronted him for doing things on the Sabbath. But what did he do on the Sabbath? He did good things, recreative things, things that that filled the world with life. And he pointed out the hypocrisy of legalistically keeping something when your heart was not after life. Jesus, Jesus never, never abrogated the commandment to keep Sabbath. He just fulfilled what Sabbath was for. He reminded us that Sabbath is for man. It's a gift of God for us. And, and, and not just a legalistic tyranny to be held over us. Sabbath means to stop. But it's interesting that it, that it also means to delight. To delight. And in that interesting in light of, of, um, of Hebrews, excuse me, of, of creation, of Eden, when we, when we saw that the very name Eden meant a place of Delight. You see what's happening. God created this, these representations of himself. He placed them in the garden of delight and he invited them to just delight in his presence. Boy, you would think, wouldn't you? You would think that we would be chomping at the bit to experience Sabbath, right? Why is it that we don't? Dan Allender, a Christian psychologist, puts it this way. Few people are willing to enter into Sabbath and to set it apart because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, much less a week. Wow. Wow. Sabbath is a gift of delight and joy that is greater than you could ever ask or imagine. But it's rooted in God. It's not rooted in recreation. It's not rooted in amusing ourselves, right? It's not, it's not rooted in sitting on a couch twiddling our thumb. It's rooted in recreation, not recreation, right? It's rooted in tapping into who God created us to be. God stopped. God rested. God set apart an entire day to delight in his world. Shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we do the same? When God set apart Sabbath, we saw in Genesis 2, he did two more things. And I just want to use them as the large structure for for thinking about Sabbath today, he blessed the Sabbath and 
Secondly, he set it apart. He made it holy. He blessed it and he made it holy. So what does it mean that he blessed the Sabbath? Well, I want to remind you of what we've learned over these last weeks in studying Genesis, right? In the Genesis account so far, three times have, three things, excuse me, have been blessed by God. First, God blessed the animal kingdom. Do you remember? And he said, be fruitful and multiply. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And then God blessed humanity, right? And said the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply. Then God rested. Then God blessed the Sabbath. And so what are we to take from this? The Sabbath, just like any animal or human being, has the life-giving uh, capacity to, to procreate. What do I mean? To fill the earth up with more life. What did Jesus say? We've gone back and back to this. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Does that sound familiar? But I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life and to have it abundantly. Sabbath is this gift of God to this blessing of God to fill the whole world with more life. Sabbath is the gift of God to fill your soul, your soul with life. So quick quiz, right? Where is the happiest place on earth? Huh? Okay, I can see that you like me are a victim of advertising, right? You've digested all that marketing from Disneyland and you have answered correctly. Happiest place on earth, Disneyland, right? Well, let me put this differently. Who are the happiest people on earth? Oh, you're smelling a rat, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we can temporarily pretend. Have you ever gone behind the scenes at Disneyland? You walk through a door, now you're on a back lot somewhere. It's all a false front, right? Now, don't misunderstand me. I love going there and my family loves going there. I love suspending judgment and just letting that vision of the happiest place hold me for seven or eight hours. But you know what? Then I have to leave Disneyland. I don't think that's, that's what God created us for. I don't think he experienced us to temporarily pretend that we're happy and then go back to the mundane world. Who are the happiest people on earth, right? At least in terms of, of living long and finding content lives. Guess what? People who keep the Sabbath. People who keep the Sabbath. You think, were you making this up? No, no, a doctor surveying who are the happiest people now on earth, right? Not, not just uh, in the United States, on earth as he surveyed them using several questions in their mother tongue to try and figure out what it was, discovered that it's not a, a geographic thing. It's not even a, a, a national thing. Japanese people are not particularly more happy than Americans. Um, the happiest people on earth, the people who live the longest and are the most content are people that keep the Sabbath. Are you ready for this? 
They lived an average of 10 years longer than people who didn't. Now, I'm not trying to advertise you into keeping the Sabbath. I'm not saying that this is, well, I am saying it. I guess I was about to say, I'm not saying this is the fountain of life, but apparently, in a way, it is. But isn't this interesting? Do the math for a second. Psalm 91 says that the days of a man's life are three score and ten. If by strength, four score. Three score and ten, right? That's 70 years. Now imagine for a second that you were able to keep Sabbath every day of your, or excuse me, every week of your life. That's 70 multiplied by 52, right? You know what? It comes out to almost exactly 10 years. But I want to suggest to you that not only will you live longer, but you'll live better, right? God blessed the Sabbath and God blesses those who trust him enough to keep it. God blessed the Sabbath, but he also made it holy. He set it apart. What does it mean that he set it apart? Well, we know from our studies that we were created in God's image and in many ways reflect his characteristics. And one day, like Peter said, we will be holy just as he is holy. But we're not there yet. Amen? We're not there yet, right? Though day by day we are being transformed, as the scripture says, from glory to glory into the image of God in Jesus Christ, we are not there yet. And really won't be until, as John said, we see him face to face. So where does an unholy person go to meet with a holy God. Well, as we've seen before the fall, we could meet with him in the garden, right? But now we're ejected from the garden. We're separated from his presence. Then God condescended to meet with his people in, in the tabernacle and then later the temple, right? And, and through our high priest, we, we could uh, vicariously meet with God in the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwells. But even again, even as I say that the temple is no longer, I know where your mind's going. I want, to, I want you to remember what happened when Jesus died on a cross. There was a tremendous earthquake. Do you remember that? And, and in the temple, what happened? The veil separating the Holy of Holies was torn by a new and living way, Jesus Christ, God made a way for us to meet with him again. Why is this little detail important? Because Jesus was able to do what Adam and Eve weren't unable to do, right? He lived the holy life that we are called to. He offered himself as an atoning sacrifice on the cross, right? God reckons to us now, because of what Jesus did, he credits to our account, if you will, Jesus' holiness. So, so we can meet with God in that holy of holies. We, we can boldly, as the author of Hebrews wrote it, boldly approach his throne of grace because of what Jesus did. Well, that's all well and good theologically, right? It, 
what does it mean for us today? I think it means this. Through repentance and trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ, you can enter that place where God is. You can, this, you can enter this metaphoric holy of holies any time that you choose. But know this, the holy of holies now is not on a, on a mount in, in Jerusalem. It's not on Mount Moriah, right? The holy of holies is not a place, it's a time. It's not a watch time, a chronos time, like between nine and 10 on Sunday mornings, but it's a God time, it's a Kairos time, right? It's this one day a week where you can choose to honor God's command, where you can revel in his invitation to keep Sabbath. Well, if your mind is like mine, it immediately starts to work out the details, to find a way to both do what we want and what God's want. God wants for us as well. But we have to start somewhere. We have to start here. Someone much wiser than me once said, it's very hard to balance the physical and emotional and spiritual aspects of our lives over the course of one day. Is that not true? Some days you end up working 12 hours, you come home exhausted, you have a meal and collapse, right? It's hard to balance your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs over one day. But the Bible says it's, it's easy to do it over one week. You can balance that time of work and that time of rest, that, that uh, giving out of every ounce of creativity that God has planted in you and then being refilled by the recreative aspects of resting in God. The way we balance our lives is by tapping into the rhythm of creation. Six and one. Work six days and then devote a day to the rest of God. Devote a day to the Lord. Hey, I just had a thought. Maybe we could call it, guess what? The Lord's day. Well, I know that many have, ostensibly out of a, a desire to honor God, I know that many have wrestled and even fought over when Sabbath should be. And honestly, the Jewish Sabbath was from sundown on Friday, right, to sundown on Saturday. Christians cease their striving on the Lord's day, and we tend to mark it from midnight to midnight in the Western culture. Let me just say off the beginning, this is, a, this is not a hill to die on. And this is me. This is me. I know that many choose to die on this hill. But I think that God is much more interested in the fact that you honor Sabbath than when you honor Sabbath. Jesus himself, trying to honor Sabbath, was approached by great need. And, and legally, he broke Sabbath to meet that need. I'm guessing that your life is the same. But, but Jesus still went and spent time with his heavenly father. I don't have time today, but, but think through Jesus' life. For 30 years, he practiced Sabbath, right? 
And then, and then he began his ministry as rabbi, preparing over three years for Jerusalem. And, and, and he was baptized, right, by John the Baptist. And then what happened? Immediately he went back into the wilderness to be with God. He was tempted there by the evil one. He came back, spent one day in ministry, and then left again to be in the wilderness with with God, Jesus understood the importance of coming away with God. It doesn't matter necessarily when it is. It matters that you honor this, that you remember the Sabbath. Now, that being said, let me just say that it's a beautiful thing when we Sabbath together. It's, it's encouraging. It's refreshing. And, and so I'm, I'm not denigrating at all the Lord's Day or with the Jewish Sabbath is beautiful when a whole people Sabbath together, but let's really do that. Amen? Let's, let's be intentional in honoring God by keeping the Sabbath. I love, I love the beauty. I love even the rhythm of thinking that our days are going to start at sunset and go to the following sunset. It means almost like Tevya and Fiddler on the Roof that we, we rush to complete our work by 6 p.m., right? And then we go home and we break bread together with our families and we laugh and we tell stories and we recreate together. And, and then, then after having spent the very first portion of our day together before God, we, we rest, right? And, and dedicate the last portion of our day to work. I love the rhythm of that, right? It's a daily rhythm. It's a weekly rhythm that brings life to God's people. But I want to say that Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of being in the world. It's a way of being in the world, right? No wonder the author of the book of Hebrews, speaking of, of Sabbath, speaking honestly of this spirit of restlessness that we were experiencing, called us to strive to enter that rest. Again, what irony, strive to stop striving, right? And Sabbath is the gift of God, the primary discipline by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in our lives as a whole. But how does that happen? Is it happened the first time you set a day apart? My guess is, is the first day is going to be an awkward day, right? The first time that you try and implement this. But think about, think about even uh, um, the analogy of sports. Does a soccer player exist just for that soccer game? No, they, they practice week in and week out. Does a, does a band freak, and I can call him that because I was a band freak, is it just the halftime show that, that matters or that parade that you march in? No, all those practices themselves are preparing you for the day, right? I think that's true for us as well. It's how we practice. It's how we prepare our bodies and our minds and our spirits for the moment or moments, right, that matter most. Um, one of my favorite theologians, Walter Brueggemann, said people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently, right? We don't suddenly turn a switch 
uh, and, and enter into Sabbath, turn off everything. No, we live Sabbath all week long. So here's my word of warning to you. Watch out for Sabbath, right? It will mess with your life. First, it will mess with one day of your week, but ultimately it will mess with your whole life. And I say that in a beautiful way. It will mess beautifully with your life. So that by the time we come to that day that the author of the book of Hebrews spoke about, that time we come to the day of the Lord, when we enter into the Sabbath, capital S, capital R, rest, um, we, it will be so familiar to us. And by the way, the opposite is true. Every day we live Sabbath, we bring that kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth now as it is in heaven. So what can you do to implement Sabbath in your life? I would love to just start to tell you these practical things and it'll work, but I, I've learned myself that it, I've got to go deeper. I've got to think about my whole way of thinking. And I want to invite you today to, to a very um, familiar thought process or even transformation pattern that may help you to implement Sabbath in your life. It's a circular pattern. So picture in your mind, you can write on, on a piece of scrap paper, a circle, and at, at the 12 o'clock position, see if I can do this, at the three o'clock position, at the six o'clock position, at the nine o'clock position are four ideas, four words, right? Let's start at the 12 o'clock position. What is it that you really desire? If you desire wealth, then Sabbath is not gonna necessarily be for you, right? If you desire things, then Sabbath is not gonna necessarily help you. What is it that you really desire? If you desire intimacy with God, if you desire shalom and wholeness, then Sabbath is for you. But be honest, ask yourself, what is it that you really desire? It's an important question because even last night in a men's group here at Olivet, a friend noted, I've, I've spent my whole life agreeing with God. So many brothers remember that. I spent my whole life agreeing with God, but not necessarily obeying. This is not, this question of desire is not something I'm just asking you to give intellectual said, Oh yeah, I want to have a deeper relationship with God. Now let's go have lunch, right? Um, uh, don't just agree with that statement. But do you really want to live into it? Do you really want to obey it, right? You have an amazing capacity for intellectual assent, right? To give assent to something that you're not willing to do. And I want to invite you to press through that. Is it your desire to honor God? If it is truly your desire, then, then you got to go to three o'clock here and, and over here and say, um, you gotta make a decision to put it into practice. And, and I wanna camp on that just for a second. I wanna note how difficult it is to make a decision and to live it out when I make that decision in isolation. I have to confess that I'm vulnerable to this. I want to make decisions secretly so that I won't be embarrassed before other people if I don't keep them, right? But that's not the way God designed this process to work. Talk it over 
with your family. You can't fast without talking to your family. You can't, you can't um, practice Sabbath without talking with your family. Covenant together when and how you'll keep Sabbath. Pray over it. Pray over it with an accountability partner. I, I, apart from my wife, my best friend, my lover, my bride, I have men in my life whom I'm in accountable relationship with and, and they are much tougher than my wife, if that could be possible, right? They, they ask the hard questions and they, like bulldogs, will not let go until they get an answer, right? So covenant together, but pray over it with your accountability partner. Set up a level of accountability. This is what I'm covenanting to do. Hold me accountable, right? Don't just hedge your bets, right? Knowing that you'll probably fail and not include other people in the process. I want to note for a moment here that, that many of you take your vows, particularly your vows before God, very seriously. And I know if you're like me, sometimes you don't feel comfortable making a long-term commitment at which you fear that you will fail. And you're reflecting, again, um, the scripture, God doesn't take pleasure in people who make commitments and don't keep them, right? I understand that. So try committing for a season and see if God's word isn't true. I'm smiling because I'm thinking of Malachi asking us to test God with our giving, right? Um, and, and see if he doesn't open the floodgates of heaven. Test God by committing to a season of, of a Sabbath, to recognizing and honoring the Sabbath and see if God doesn't open the floodgates of heaven and bless you and your loved ones beyond what you could ever imagine. Quickly, the third step, the word at six o'clock position on your little Sabbath clock here is that difficult word, discipline, just like a or Dylan Haynes preparing for Friday, he has to discipline himself to weight lift. He has to discipline himself to learn his rules on the football team. He has to discipline himself to be at practice through all the difficulties that, that are entailed. Um, start with this thing, what, how am I gonna keep this? How am I gonna discipline myself to keep the Sabbath, and here's where with others, you'll work out the details of what will it look like to institute it and what will it look like to faithfully practice Sabbath until it becomes second nature. And that kind of leads me to our fourth word. Now, over here at nine o'clock on your Sabbath clock, the fourth, the fourth idea is really a promise. And, and right in that nine o'clock position, the word delight. You see, just like an athlete in training, at some point, what originally was a discipline now becomes a delight. Your body, your soul, your spirit crave that discipline. And it's no longer drudgery, it's joy. It's joy, right? Wow, at some point, at some point, you begin to live out that beautiful verse in Psalm 37. Psalm 37, four, right? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, guess what? Now we're back up to 12 o'clock. He will give you the desires of your heart. That's not really true. I don't picture here that, yeah, if I want a Mercedes, I can, I can decide I want a Mercedes. I can discipline myself to get a Mercedes. 
and I can delight in it when I have it. No, what happens in this Sabbath cycle is that God changes the desires of your heart. That's why we can start with him anywhere exactly like we are. We can be honest with him. We can be authentic and tell him where we really are, knowing that he's going to transform the desires of our heart. Oh my gosh, what a precious gift from God. Well, God makes other promises as well. This is from Isaiah 58. Many of you have memorized a portion of that having to do with fasting. But the word of God says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you will call the Sabbath, guess what? A delight and the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please, not speaking idle words, thinking idle thoughts, watching idle things, right? Then you will find your joy in the Lord. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14. You see, we don't just find our delight in the Lord so he'll give us our broken desires. No, as we delight in the Lord, he gives us new desires. Our old ones have been transformed. And with those new desires, we begin that whole transformation cycle once again. We go deeper. We go further. How did C.S. Lewis put it? We go higher with God, right? So what does it look like for you? I'd love to help you work out those details. A couple of staff members and I, we've been trying to hammer that out. We've been, we've been hitting and missing and, and trying to hold one another accountable to keeping Sabbath, right? We'll work out the details together. You, your family, your accountability partner, I would love to help. My question for you today is, is the question I began with. What is it that you really desire? Is it your desire to honor God? Is it, is it your desire to experience greater intimacy with Him? Well, trusting not on my own experience, not on my own human thought processes, but trusting on God's Word, I invite you and honor Sabbath. And let's experience His delight together. Amen. Hey!
you take just a moment, wherever you are, stand with us and let's just sing this again, shall we? This is my desire to grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship and communion of his Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Peace of Christ be with you. We'll look forward to seeing you in person and online next week. God bless.